Hi everyone, my name is Tanisha and we're going to be reading from the book of Luke today. The first Bible reading is Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. And then we're going to jump to Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow, they do not labour or spin, yet I tell you not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What would you like most for Christmas this year? Um, Yeah, it's rhetorical. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just getting you to think. What would you like for Christmas? Uh, I, I, I won't, I'll keep it not rhetorical for me. I uh, love getting those fun Christmas socks. I have one here. It's clean. Don't worry. And um, just yesterday, I got a pack of 12, one for 12 days of Christmas from my kids. So I, I love the Christmas socks and I love the fruit chocks. Um, I love them every day of the year, but particularly Christmas because you get more packets at once. And for me, that is just the best Christmas present. Socks, of all things, I just think are great. And I've got some fun Christmas ones on today. It's a sausage dog with presents under a tree. Uh, That makes me happy. What is it for you? But you know, it's hard to answer sometimes because sometimes what you want and what you get are two different things. Um, Sometimes it's beyond the budget, isn't it? Sometimes it's beyond the power of anyone. Like, I want better running legs, but no one can buy them for me. And I can try, but it's still not going to happen very easily. Sometimes uh, you just don't have a clue. What do you get for the person that has everything? Sometimes you feel overwhelmed. Did you get anything at Black Friday? Or did you feel like you had to get something at Black Friday, just crippled because I need it? And then Cyber Monday comes around and you feel like I didn't get anything and now I've, I've lost out. Uh, just imagine, though, for a moment for the next 10 minutes, imagine that um, uh, the budget, the time, the ability, no barriers, what would your ultimate Christmas present be? But think bigger than a sock, please. Think about the heart, the mind, the body stuff. Think about the conversation that you'd want to do over again with that person, the person you'd love to hug again. You know, there are things that we want that we can't wrap up and put it under a tree, hope, joy, peace, love. Except, except in the songs we just sung, in the Christmas story that we heard read, there is the claim that somebody did deliver on those things. And it happened at the very first Christmas. The story goes that an angel made an announcement, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The first Christmas was something that brought great joy and it was wrapped in an unlikely place you'll find a baby wrapped wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. So, joy was wrapped up on the first Christmas, not under a tree, not in your Amazon package at your front door, but in a manger. And it was Jesus. And this Jesus, he lands in our world, not offering socks, but himself. You see, in the Christian Bible, Jesus is spoken of as a saviour. A saviour is someone who rescues us from danger and gives us life on the other side. And one way to think about Christmas, which I want to linger over this morning, just one way, is to see that Jesus comes to rescue us from the illusion that things and stuff will give us life. On the ABC Religion and Ethics podcast recently, there was a philosopher, Damon Young, and he said... Uh, We need to question whether buying and spending are our chief reasons for being. Now that's, at this point, this is where our second Bible reading comes in with that man and the story and the inheritance. And it's a strange reading for a carol service. I know, but bear with me. There's a point. Keep in mind the angel's message. Uh, Wrapped up is great joy. Wrapped up in Jesus is the good news of joy. So when we, when we read this story now, Jesus is 30 years old, so 30 years since he was born. The angel said that. And Jesus has grown up, and someone comes to Jesus with, with, at a crossroad in their life. And he asks Jesus for advice. Actually, it's not really advice. He wants Jesus 
and his authority to, to fix the family dispute decide with him. He says, uh, says, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. There's a situation in his family and he feels like he's getting less than what he deserves. And you can relate really with the cost of living, with uh, the rates going up, with the cost of food. How much does that sting when this, this big amount of an inheritance is right in front of him, but it's just so far from being financially secure. This is the man, right? And Jesus knows the man. He knows what's going on in his heart. And he says to him, a man who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you. His point is that Jesus didn't come to decide who gets what because great joy is not found in a great inheritance. And at that point, there's all these people around Jesus and this man. And Jesus knows this isn't just one man's struggle. If it was, that would be one thing. But this is symptomatic of each of us at different moments in life when we too feel this conflict. And so what he does is he turns to the people around them and he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And so as Jesus does, he likes to illustrate his point. And he tells this story, and it's an exaggerated story. It's not a real story. It's just get you thinking to make a point. And he wants you to think, what would it look like if someone operated in life only about thinking about how to get more. What would it look like? So we told him this parable. The ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. Just think in Australia, how much of our wealth is tied to the ground? WA the mines. Maybe you work at Roxby and there's lots of wealth there. Or even the, the, the vines of the Barossa. Or opals in Kubapedi, if there are any left now. You know, there's so much wealth in the ground that holds wealth. And in this story, the ground gives up a huge harvest. In fact, the subject of this sentence is the ground, not the man. Which means, the man in the parable, the man in the story, asking the question of Jesus, did not do anything to get this inheritance. Moments come in life, don't they, when something unexpected happens, we just come across it. And often it reveals what's going on inside our heart. And as happens here, this man in the story ponders what he's going to do with his sudden wealth. So he, he thinks to himself, what shall I do? I know. I'll build bigger barns. Then I'll have lots of surplus and I'll say to myself, well, you have plenty of grain laid up. Take life easy, drink and be merry. Now that's an agrarian society. Grain was everything. So he consults his inner investment banker for advice. His inner consultant is not very wise. Greed makes you deceptively self-focused. The word I and me appears nine times in those two verses. And he reasons himself into a new story in life that says, that's what I need to be happy. Eat, drink and be relaxed. A pile of treasure drives his decision making. 254,000 US dollars. I don't know how the conversion, but 254,000 US dollars is apparently the number that you need to be happy. Recent survey done. That's the number to be financially secure, to not have to worry about anything. But is that enough, really? What if rates go up more? What if the stock market crashes? What if anything? What amount is enough for you to sleep well and go, I am so set for life, I can just relax? Now, the point is that this man got that. Whatever the number is, that this man got that. But then the story takes a sharp turn. 
And often Jesus' stories do this. Just, he's drawing us to a point. We should feel that, and then he just twists it, and we go, oh, what? Because then God interrupts the plans of this man. He's thinking at this stage, and then God said to him, you fool, this night your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you've prepared? And that's how it will be with anyone who stores up for themselves and isn't rich towards God. The simple twist is that death will chase us down in life. And this man was a fool because he imagined wealth and things rather than God would satisfy him with life. And Jesus says this to the man asking to sort out the inheritance. And he's saying, you will not find your life in the riches of what you can get. As Jesus says, it's about being rich towards God. Which, of course, doesn't mean you hold up the treasures you have and say, God, I've got enough, right? As if he had to do when the story was, hey, God, I've got all this grain. Because I've got grain, give me life. That's not the point. What could you give God that isn't his anyway? And after delivering the punchline, everyone listening feels fragile. Maybe you do too. (laughs) Jesus has eroded your sense of security and wealth and happiness. What next? Well, he reconstructs us and he says, think about the birds for a moment. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have storehouses or barns, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Remember, he's just spoken about barns and crops in the story. This man needs to realize in God's economy, you're more valuable than a bird. And the contrast is this man was trying to find value in crops or the inheritance. When Jesus wants us to see that our value is in the one who values us. Which is why, at the end of this wonderful section, Jesus says, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. The word seek means to find life. He's just saying, let your life be found in and with Jesus. If you seek God and his kingdom, as opposed to the stuff around us, God knows what you need, and it will come to you without being your life. You know, we don't hear how the man who asked Jesus the question about inheritance responds in the Bible. We don't know. But as you hear that, you can be sure how you can respond. Because Jesus came to put stuff and things in their proper place, and that's what we see at Christmas time. God wraps up Jesus, offering us himself as the Lord, the ruler of life, the God of all comfort. He's a, a hive of sweetness, a paradise of pleasure, a heaven of joy. Jesus is the richest grace, the dearest love, surest friend, highest honor, greatest beauty, fullest joy. And he alone can satisfy our souls with all that is good. And what's more, God doesn't say move a mountain, calm a sea, create a world. You accept him as savior in his son to receive that. May you know this Christmas that all you could ever want and all you could ever have is found in Jesus and not just a nice pair of socks. Hey, let me pray and then we're going to sing some more carols. Father God, thank you that you know our needs. You know that life is found in you because you're the author of life. Would you please, by your spirit and your grace, help us to see and know that you are the one who makes sense of life, ourselves, and all that we have, and that as we seek you and find life in you, all that we need is given in the right order with the right perspective.
And it comes through beholding the wonderful baby who grew up, who lived and died and rose for us to know you once more. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Amen.